Amen. Amen. Continue on on the topic of doctrine. We're going to focus on the subject matter on this morning. Sound doctrine is for witnessing. Sound doctrine is for witnessing. Uh, for our reading, if you can stand for the reading, I'm going to highlight just two uh, verses for us. Looking at that 17th chapter of Acts, looking at verses 22 and 23, I'm going to just give us this to help us to meditate on. We thank you uh, for your participation and reading of his word earlier in worship. And so we're going to stay right there in verses 16 to verses 34, but to prepare us to receive his preached word, I would like us to focus again on the Apostle Paul speaking to them at, on Mars Hill, as somebody may know it, or the Hill of Mars, or Areopagus there in Athens. Acts 17, chapter, verse 22 to verse uh, 23. I'll be reading New Living uh, Translation. The Word of God says it like this. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For, I, for as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. Sound doctrine is for witnessing. To witness is to evangelize, and to evangelize, one needs to have sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is for evangelism. Evangelism is basically telling others the truth about God, our sin, and what God in Christ has done to save us sinners and calling them to repent of their sins and to trust in Christ. In Acts the 17th chapter, we see one example of Paul witnessing because there's many examples in, in, in Acts of Paul witnessing, but this one example shows him sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to help those who were unaware or uneducated, if you will, of who this God whom they were searching after. He's pointing out to them that you have all these shrines here, you, and you read in the text, it says that his heart was perplexed, his heart was heavy, because he's never seen, and at this time, possibly, this was the most populated city of idol gods. That it said the city was full of idolatry, that he walked around and saw so many. He said, I saw so many that one caught my eye. The one that caught my eye was the one you label to an unknown God. He said, that grabbed my attention. Yeah, you, you, had a, you probably had a God to the sun, had a God to the moon, you had a God to the stars. If y'all are not familiar, if you know some, some Greek mythology, you know you got Zeus, you have Jupiter, you have Pluto, you have Mars, Mars Hill, hello. You see, they knew all these other names of these gods where we have the names of the planets, the name of the stars, because they looked to the celestial skies and they came up with these names and say they must be up there somewhere. And, and, and we named them after these things, and so they knew these things. But yet there was a God they did not know. To an unknown God, Paul says, hi, I can get this one. I, I can use this one to teach them, to help them to understand that there is a God, but he's not unknown. 
And, and, and what I'm pointing out here is that when you know God, you know how to witness about God. You see, Paul understood who God was, and he says that you do not know who God is because you have all these other gods that is confusing you of the true God. Isn't that so much true in our lives that when we get so much information that, that it takes you time to, just, to, to really filter through that information and find out what was somebody really saying to me? Has anybody ever had that before, that they gave you so much information at once? You said, you know what, give me some time so I can go through it, so I can understand. In this city, they're giving them so many gods all at once. People say, I don't know what to believe. I got to make a sacrifice to this God, a sacrifice to this God. And they consistently debated about these gods. Y'all see that right there? They said they would reason. So they weren't even convinced. That what they had was right. So they would meet together and say, well, I think Zeus must be the best God. Well, if Zeus is the best God, why is this one the God of war? And why is this one limited to these seasons? You know, they probably had all kind of arguments about this. And Paul's there and he's sharing with them. He's talking to them. You see, he even talked to some of the philosophers. And he even quoted some of their poetry back to them to help them understand. I know what you've been studying, but let me point you to this one truth. So Paul in this time of the afternoon noticed that the city was full of idols. And their idols were idols, were mere gods before the true God. And Paul was perplexed because he understood that these should have no other God before my God. And so therefore it urged him and moved him to share. Look what happens. They invite him. They invite him. Y'all see that, right? They invite him and said, well, you come up to the high council. Now, this high council to us may not mean anything to us, but let me put it into our vernacular. The high council will basically be the Supreme Court in our vernacular. And, and you understand that you can make a state law, and if that state law is, is, is appealed and it goes up to the Supreme Court and they agree with it, it becomes the nation's law. Y'all with me here? You can go from a state one to say, well, we make a supreme that everybody has to abide by this law. And so, therefore, they were arguing about God. I said, well, we're going to take this to the highest court that will make it final. And Paul went up to the highest court to debate and tell them all about his God. Now, to us, looking at this, this may not mean very much, but think about how arresting this is. He is going to the high council. Him being one by himself against many, many to debate about his God. I, I, I wonder, have you ever witnessed to someone one-on-one about Jesus Christ? And if you have, has not, 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 that not been such a daunting task to share with someone who does not know anything about God, to tell them about God, and, and how, how hard it is just to get them to understand what you know to be true, which they have doubts about? Imagine now having a thousand people that you're talking to who don't believe what you believe. Think of how much more of an issue that is. And catch this. He's not just talking to those who don't know anything, but he's talking to them and debating them on their platform, on their field, about what they believe and what they all practice. And they got agreements upon because they all agree the same thing, that you are the one person against them to tell them something that they are unaware. So you know what he did? He said, I'm going to work with what you do know. And then I'm going to work my way out. Y'all see that? He says, I notice among you that you have an altar to an unknown God. Here comes the doctrine of God. He breaks down to them the doctrines, the teachings of God, that our God is not unknown. Isn't that good news? 
that he is not an unknown God. He is a known God. This is how we know him. He has revealed himself to us. He says that that's why he made a way that you see how we can grope after him, feel after him, seek after him. You know, you don't, you don't look for something that you don't know about. Y'all quiet on me. You don't look for something that you don't know about. If I, if I told you you had a million dollars at your house, you're going to tell me where. Because you want to know where to look for what you did not know you had. Man, man, y'all, sit down, sit down. Y'all, why y'all leave? <laughs> we will look for something. If we don't know something somebody tells us and it's good news, we're going to search after it and try to find it. He says that our God has made us so that we can seek after him and know him. He says, I see you've been seeking for him because you got an altar to him, says the unknown God. But somebody has misinformed you because we know him. And since we know him, we know this about him, the doctrine of God, that he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And not only has he created the heavens and earth, he has created us, which means that we have not created him. How does this reply to them? They made all these other altars and shrines to a God. I thought this God was confined to these altars. They, they live in this, and that's why you can, you can see it even today that people have many, this, this same teaching is applied to us in our lives. This is what we have. If you go to some people's house, they may have a horseshoe above their entryway. Represents good luck, and it's under there. You cross under, you're going to get good luck. Or people will have a rabbit's foot, on their keychain, I said, look, my lucky rabbit foot. I got a rub I'm going to go into. And it brings up to the joke, right, the other four must not have been lucky, right? Just that one foot. And, and so we have many things that have been practiced on that if I have something with me, it's sort of like an omen, a tricky that's going to bring forth good in my life. Which brings them to the same circle, saying, as long as I have this shrine, I have this idol in a proper place in my house, God is going to look good upon. But he's pointing out to this, God is not limited to these idols, to these trinkets, to these things that you, that you strategically post around your house. God is not contained. He is not made by man. Man is made by God. And so look how he's rocking them now. They, they, they made all these altars, thought they were doing God a favor, not realizing that God is doing you a favor. How much true in this in our lives that if we are doctrine of witness and we share this with somebody that they think that they're doing their work and that they're pleasing God. Have You might hear some people say these things that uh, God is going to reward me for my good work. You hear people saying that I've been good to my parents. God's going to bless me for that. You hear people say, well, I've been good in my life. God's going to be good to me. What they're saying is that I'm doing God a favor. And since I'm doing him a favor, he must repay me back with kindness. Let me help somebody out. That God don't need you. We, get, we, we, we replace God to put him in a position of that I'm doing you a favor. And we know when we do other people a favor, we get mad when they don't say thank you. We do them a favor, they don't say thank you. You can say, next time I'm not going to do it for you. Let me ask you, did you say thank you this morning? God shown up, woke you up this morning. Did you take time to thank him? See, we, we make other people, do we demand other people to respect us and thank us, but we take God for granted because I'm doing him a favor. God, you ought to be happy. I'm on my way to church. I might change my mind because the Olympics are on, the All-Star game about to be on. I could be doing some other things. It's kind of sunny outside. I might wash my car again to get that salt off. 
all kinds of things may come up that we think that we put God in a position that we can contain and control him. But Paul's pointing out to them that our God cannot be contained, which is another adoption about our God that he's everywhere. He says you're searching him and he can be found. He is everywhere. He wants you to know him. And we find this great teaching when we look in Genesis. Remember when Adam messed up? When Adam messed up, he was hiding from God. He understood that something was wrong in the relationship that he was hiding from God. And yet God still desired to have a relationship with him. So the same truth that he's pointing out to him that, look here, God, the doctrine of our God that he created us. He created man. He created the heavens and the earth. And the next doctrine he moves into is the doctrine of man. That man is messed up. That man has sinned. You see how I like how he puts it? He said there was a time that God turned a blind eye. Y'all see that? Saying that, that, that God was allowing us, given his grace and his mercy, For he created man before the foundations of this earth. And, and, and yet he let us exist. He let us exist, but yet we want to live in right. Look at verse 30, verse 31. So God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands. Can someone say command? Everyone everywhere to repent of their sins. Look at this doctrine now saying, saying that, when he made man, he made man, and man had issues that they can't make the right choices all the time. And since we can't make the right choice all the time, God has made allowances for that. Anybody here glad for allowance? That is by grace we have been saved. And, you know, and basically to put it in layman's and grace means time to get it right. Because if, if, if God did not give us his grace, we would suffer judgment right away. And let me help you out about some grace here. And in, in, in if you look in, in Exodus and you start seeing how God is, is dealing with the people, he made, he made his law and he made them understand to fear his law. So therefore, he had to do things specific for them. Everybody only had one time to mess up. Woo. Only had one time to mess up. How you know they only had one time to mess up? Well, he told the spies to go and tell them to come in, and they came back. That one time they didn't want to believe, all oh, y'all not making it. Well, that, yeah, that, that's one time. All right, y'all don't believe me? Check out Aaron. Aaron was told to stay down the mountain, keep an eye on them while Moses up. They got to Aaron. Aaron, he's up there too long. Where's our God? Once you make us God, us for us. Okay, so Aaron made a God for us. Bam, Aaron, you're not making it to the promised land. You messed up. What about Moses? We have Moses too. God told him to speak to the rock. Moses got mad. He hit the rock. Water still came out, but he let him know, you messed up. You're not going to make it in either. Everybody messed up once. They didn't make it in. Except those who were faithful, Joshua and Caleb, they made it in. He was stringent to make them understand that this is my law. You must obey it. Even so much so that catch this, that when David got excited about bringing the temple back, I'm sorry, bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the people, it was starting to fall off. Some people said, let me help them out. They touched it to put it back on so it didn't fall. Whoosh, they were gone. Why, 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 God, why did it? Because they should know that they should not touch the Ark of the Covenant. Only those who I have given can touch it. His law. 
His judgment is real. And so Paul's pointing out to them that there's been a time that God made allowance. Look at the allowance that he has made, that we're able to mess it up. We're able to make all things wrong. But yet God is saying, I can make all things right, that he sent his son. Y'all see, now he's getting to the doctrine of the resurrection because he started mentioning that he died, but yet he what? Rose again. You understand that our salvation in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is based on our faith on the resurrection? And, and think about why we like the resurrection. Oftentimes, we don't think about the resurrection until we find death in our lives. Because we go around, if you look, l- listen to the, our society and listen to the radio, you hear the, 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 the motto, YOLO, you only live once. You hear everybody today, gr- reach it and grab it, do all you can today. You don't know about tomorrow, but once death comes, they say, well, I know they're in a better place. I, I know that. Well, you didn't say all that stuff before. You all say, I'm going to get mine today. Get it today and die today. What's going to happen? It's going to be mine now. I'm going to take it. And so when you look at this, that death comes into our lives, then we start thinking, what's after death? The resurrection. And he points out this, that also after death, there's a judgment. Y'all see that there in the text? He is going to judge. Every man's appointed death, then the judgment. And so when you put this in proper perspective, it starts thinking about how am I living my life? Am I living my life as God being the one true God that I honor him? Or do I have a whole bunch of idols in my life that has me so confused that I can focus on one God? And think about how we get so busy. Anybody been so busy in your life that you had an appointment and you missed that one appointment? Because you had so much other stuff going on that day. And then when you get home, you start thinking, I need to slow down. We need to do that in our lives. That sometimes we overwhelm ourselves with so much of this world that we don't focus on God and what matters most. And we miss out on the things that we miss out. And, and, and some of us have missed appointments that you can't make up. And it hurts you when you miss them. I'm here to point out to you that God's grace is just better than that. That there's times that we missed out on him. He says, yet I still have love for you. I still have mercy for you. And that's why we know for the wages of sin is death, but the gifts of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's why he's telling about this resurrection. Because Jesus says in John, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he says this, he says this when death has entered their life. Think about it again. See, we don't think about the resurrection until death comes. And so once death came, he says, here's the opportunity for me to tell you about the resurrection. They said to him, oh, I believe in the resurrection that's going to be coming. He says, yeah, but I'm going to show you that I am the resurrection. And what I want to point out to us is this, that many of us look and see that if we look at our lives and line it up in the Bible, we're going to find out that we are walking dead. And we should not be walking dead, but we should be walking alive. Because Jesus says, I am the life and the resurrection. And if we are in Christ Jesus, we should not be dead, but we should be alive. Y'all quiet on me. You understand that we serve a living Savior. He is a living God. He 
died past tense, but he rose again, and he's highly exalted and seated at the right hand of the Father. So what does that mean? That means that this is not the end, that there is a greater time of coming, that we will have a new heaven and a new earth, and we certainly are going to have a new body to be over in glory. So while I'm walking on this earth and it's passing away, I don't have to worry about that. My body, my flesh may be deteriorating, but inside of me, there's a spirit that God is renewing and regenerating so that one day we're going to be like him. And so when I know this, my walk changes, my talk changes, my perspective changes, that I start looking and I too will be like Paul. We will walk around, we'll be grieved and we'll be upset to see so many idols all around us. The idolatry of greed, the idolatry of lust, the idolatry of just of the hedonism of just satisfying your own desire. Think about how you hear it and everybody wants to do what they want. They, 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 the children, it's, it's amazing to me, you know, I got this drink in my cup. They sing these songs. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to pop me some mollies, all of these things. These drugs that they are taking, that they're making and creating, nobody knows how bad it's going to hurt them. Only when they go into the emergency room. But they don't tell the doctor what they've been doing. So the doctor will say, maybe you had an asthma attack. No, that's some of the side effects from putting all them drugs in it. That's what the doctors are finding out, but they don't want to admit that's what they're doing. And when they're making all these things, they're, they're satisfying because that's what my idols are telling me. That's my rap stars, my pop stars. That's what they're telling me they're doing and how they're having a good time. I, too, want to have a good time. We should not let them be our idols. Let the word of God be our idols. And then we see this, that, okay, God, you are my God. And I will have no other God before you. And I want to follow you. And I want to lift you up and put you in the proper perspective. Catch this. Then I want to do what you say is fun. And you said to worship you. You say to bless your holy name, to know you, a pardon from my sins. And so you see how Paul is telling them, look what happened to them. They said, you know what? We want to we hear more. But now this is where they got split. They got split. He gave them a great defense. But when he started talking about the resurrection, they said, okay, now nah, you're talking about some other stuff. We don't know about this resurrection thing. But some said, I want to know more about it. Many of us to be just like them and the, uh, at, the, at the court say, I want to know more about it. And as we know more about it, we can go and tell people more about it. Because even Paul, he doesn't know everything. He says, I don't know it all, but I, I, I desire to know him in the power of his resurrection. You find that in Philippians. That Paul realized that I have not arrived, so, but I keep on pressing on towards the mark of the higher calling. In Christ Jesus. I'm here to encourage us that sound doctrine does not mean I know it all. But sound doctrine means I do know him. And when I know him, he is the basis of my teaching. He is the basis of my living. And this was what comes down to be is that you say, for me to have sound doctrine, do I need to be a scholar? No, you don't need to have any degrees. You don't need to have a title before your name. All you need to know is his name. 
And when you know Jesus, then you want to know him better. If I ask you this one question, if you had your child or your spouse or someone, I asked them, what is their birth date? What is their favorite color? What is their favorite food? What is their favorite toy? What is their favorite movie? You'll be able to answer majority of those questions correct. You might get some wrong. You're going to find I don't know them as well as I thought I did. Or maybe they changed and found out it it used to be this one, but it's something new. And you'll find out, but yet you know, because you know them, you know these things. Well, what if I ask you, do you know that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you know that he is Lord? Do you know that he was born in a manger of the Virgin Mary? And that he died on the cross for our sins. But three days later, he rose again with all power in his hand. And he says that I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send you down the paraclete, the advocate, the Holy Ghost. And he will speak to you on high that everything that I hear of the Father, he will tell you so that you can be my witnesses and go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And don't worry about it. I will be with you until the ends of the earth. What if I could ask you those questions? Would you be able to answer some? That's sound doctrine. And so when you know that, that's how you can answer other people. And catch this, catch this. And they might ask you some questions that you don't know the answer. That's all right. Tell them, I don't know. But tell them, but we can find out together. Let's open up the Bible. And let's see what his word says. But yeah, you can tell them, I do know that he rose again from the grave. I do know that he is the son of God. I do know that he died for my sins and he died for yours. And you too can know him and know life and have life abundant. And you too can know the power of his resurrection. That's sound doctrine. To be his witness. To share his truth. To all that we meet. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come. We pray, Lord, that we draw closer to you as you draw nigh unto us. We thank you, God, that you're not far from us, but you're very near. We thank you, God, that you are grace, you are mercy, you are love in our lives. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, there's been times that we did not have it right, but you've got it right with us through our faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's by faith, Lord, we have been saved, not by works so that none of us can boast. So we thank you, God, for that salvation. And, Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, there might be someone here who has not confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord and say, Lord, we thank you, God, that today they can cry out to you and you will hear their despair cry. And you, too, will save them just as you saved us. And we will rejoice with them as the angels in heaven rejoice over all who come to know you as Lord. Father, move in this place. Add on to your church, Lord, such as should be saved. And we'll be so mindful to give you all the glory and give you all the praise. For it all belongs to you. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.